Life was bitter to the core There was nothing to live for Until love came My name is Harold J. Perkins And at the age of 17 I was selling drugs And on my way to an early grave While sitting in my house with about 10 guys God gave me an out-of-body experience And I was lifted above the room I could see everything moving in slow motion After that I got up and put those guys out And I cried out to Jesus Christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. I'm going to continue where I left off the last episode in Romans chapter 8. But first, let me say, if I had known 40 years ago what I know now about what the Bible is really saying in regards to who I am in God, without having had religion give me its version of who I am, I would have made a far greater impact on the world up to this point. So my intent primarily with this podcast is to reach the young with the truth of who you really are in God and what power God has made available to you to live a life of purpose, to take your God-given ability into the world and dominate in your area of gifting, to rise to the top of the business world, to the top of sports and entertainment, medicine, and whatever you do. If your calling is to parent and to raise great children, you're the best at it because you've learned how to release the power of God to help you function like the God, man, or woman you are. One of the scriptures I covered last time said that creation itself is groaning, waiting for these God-like men and women to manifest on the earth and to go all over the earth doing good and powerful things to bless mankind. How will it happen? Well, first, you have to know who you are. Then you have to renew your mind to who you are, and that's a process, especially if religion has already corrupted your mind. This is why I'm giving you chapter and verse from God's book, so you know what God says about you and what God says that you can do. Now, let's pick up at that verse, verse 19. I'm in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. For the earnest expectation of creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I'm going to stop there for a minute. You know, we don't, uh, in most cases, most people don't associate having a relationship with God as being liberty. But this verse tells us it is. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together unto now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. Now, I mentioned last time that the issue has to do with our body. Our body has not been changed. Our spirit has been changed. But even our body is groaning waiting for this this change. Our bodies are going to be changed when Christ comes back again. The Bible is very clear that we're going to get a new body. And this new body that we receive is not going to have sin in it, 
Verse 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why do he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now I'm going to stop here for a minute. I covered on the last one of the episodes before, well, several I've men- made mention of this. God has given us a, an, a language of praying in the Spirit. And here it says that, that we don't, we may not know what we should pray for, but the Spirit does. You see, God has equipped us to be able to live this life in power. And this is one of the ways, and that is praying in the Spirit. See, we don't know how to, to pray. We don't know about what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen down the road. But the Spirit of God does. And so look what God has done. God has equipped us with his spirit on the inside of us, and we can begin to pray in the spirit about things that we don't even know. What a powerful thing. Verse 27, and he that searched the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to to his purpose. Wow. It says here that we know that all things. Now, there are some bad things that happen in our lives. And it's not God behind it. It's the devil. Anything that has to do with stealing, killing, and destroying is not God. It has to do with the devil. But God is saying that for those that love him, it's going to work to your good. Even though the devil meant it for evil, he's saying that it's going to work to your good. And so when we see challenges and different things coming at us, we have to keep this in mind and understand, I don't know how the good is going to come out of this, but it's going to come out. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, I want you to notice here so you, you, you understand I've been talking about God, men and women coming forth. And by the way. Uh, as far as man is concerned, man is both man and woman. They were one. They were never, it's a female version of man and there's a male version of man, but they're man. Both are man. Okay. That's why it's one man. Okay. Now here's my, the point I'm saying, everybody has been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son of Jesus. In other words, Jesus gave us an example of how we are to live and what we are to do on earth in our sphere of influence. Okay. We're not all called to be preachers or, or, or pastors or, or teachers. That's not our calling, but we're all, we all have a calling to take God into the area that he's gifted us in and let them see God with the ability to move in power in the same manner that Jesus moved in. Verse 29 again, for whom he did foreknow, I'm going to stop again for no, you were not an afterthought before the foundation of the world. God knew you. He knew when you were going to come to the earth. He knew what assignment that he had for you on the earth. And that never changes. It says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He hasn't changed his mind, but it's up to you to find what your calling is and what you have been gifted and sent to the earth to do. And how do you do that? Only the spirit of God can reveal that to you. So you've got to get close enough to God for him to begin to 
open your eyes to see what you were specifically sent to the earth to do. Now, sometimes there's an inner witness. You don't know why you're led to do a certain thing. That's that spirit on the inside of you that's saying, okay, this is the area that you should go. This is the way you should go. But if you lock into that, you know, sometimes we get caught up in what our parents want us to become. And it may not be what God wants us to be. You know, I, I learned early, you know, I had some ideas of what I wanted to see and the direction I wanted my children to go in. But what I did was I recognized their gifts and I backed off what I wanted and I started stirring them toward the gift that I saw showing up in their lives. And that's what we should do as parents. And I believe that's what we should be doing in our own individual life. God, what do you want me to do? What is my specific assignment and purpose? And here he has it right here. He says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, if we're not to imitate Christ, why would he say firstborn? He's telling us right here there should be a second and a third and fourth and a million and and so forth that follow that get that receive the life of God by accepting Jesus Christ and then they now can become like the Christ that walked the earth okay like Jesus Christ that walked the earth verse 30 moreover whom he did predestine them he also called and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified them he also glorified. Now, this is a very powerful verse here, and it's an opportunity to see that God is, this is all God. First of all, he's the one that predestined you. He's the one that called you. You didn't call yourself. He called you. You might have answered. You had to answer, but he called. And then he justifies you. That means he made you righteous. There's nothing that you could have done to make yourself righteous. You are righteous and justified because of what Jesus did on your behalf. So that was all God. And whom he justified, it says, he also glorified. Now, I'm convinced that very few people get to the place of God glorifying them. And the reason is, is because we, first of all, if you think about Jesus, Jesus said, now does the son of man glorify well, he was on his way to the cross. He was on his way to, to die on the cross. Well, in that process, there's nothing that he could have done to raise himself from the dead. He totally left himself in the hands of God. And I believe that's what happens when God is going to glorify us. It's not going to happen in our own effort and our own deeds and the things that we're doing. We have to totally rely on God. I'm reminded of, of, of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was told that he was going to be a, a, a ruler and his brothers and his father would bow down to him. He was told that at 17. It didn't happen till he was in his 30s. But here's how it happened. He was in prison. Nothing he could have done to take himself out of prison. God rose him out of, out of prison and put him second in, in command in Egypt. The only way that could have happened, God had to do that. He could not glorify himself. That was his specific purpose. I believe when we see this as far as us being glorified, that's God elevating us to our specific purpose. I, we see the same thing with David. David was told that he was going to be a king and when he was 17 years old. He was in his 30s before he became a king. And here's where he was before he got elevated. He is running for his life from the king, from King Saul. And he's hiding in caves and dens. Now, God had told him he was going to be king. And he had several occasions that he could have killed King Saul himself. If he had done that, then he, God wouldn't have glorified him. He did it himself.
And therefore, that's not what God wanted. So God wouldn't let him kill him. And God allowed him to, and he had to wait until it was time. And all of a sudden, King Saul gets killed and David gets elevated. He gets glorified to his position. And so this is where we have to be patient. And there's a time, you know, there's a progression here. You know, you go from the calling, you understand you've been justified. And eventually God has taken you to the purpose that he has for your life. And at some point, you just got to wait on God. You got to just keep doing the things that you know you're supposed to be doing, what he's saying to your heart. But then you're waiting for him to elevate you. I believe I'm at the door of that. I believe I'm at the door of God lifting me up to what he put me on this planet to do. Verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, I, I like to say it this way. If God is for us, what fool would be against us? You can't defeat God. So he's telling us right here, if God is for us, who can be against us? It does not matter who they are. See, this is what we have to understand. Either the God of the Bible is who he's revealed himself to be in the power that he's revealed himself to be in the Bible or he isn't. And if he is, and I believe he is, and I've seen him move and operate in my life in, in supernatural ways, if he is that, then I don't have to worry about what's coming against me. I know in the end, as the, the other verse that I read says, all things work together for good to them that love God. I love him. And I, I don't say that religiously. See, I have come to understand that you, you can't love God unless you love people. And so when I say I love God, I love people. Okay. And as a result of loving people, that's me loving God. So as a result of that, I don't have to worry about what comes against me. God is on my side and he is going to make it work to my good if I just trust him. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but, but, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Powerful. See, this is about elevating our consciousness and of, of who God is and our expectation and what we are looking for. He said, he that spared not his own son, which is Jesus, he gave his best gift already. He delivered him up for us all. He's saying, how shall he not with him, with Christ, freely give us all things? We should have an expectation of God giving us things, not for our own greed, not for our own lust, so that we could be a blessing to other people. You know, I, I had the attitude at one time, I was, my life was so dark. And when the Lord came into my life, he brought light in, in, into my life. And I was so grateful for that. And I would tell him, I said, Lord, just give me enough for me and my family. That's all I wanted. I was just so grateful to have his life and to come out of the, the, the dark life that I was living. And, one, and, and when I said that one time, I heard God say this. He said, you're selfish. <laughs> and I said, I'm selfish. He said, yeah. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if I just give you enough for you and yours, who can you help? And I said, okay, I see it. And at that point, I said, pour it on me. Pour it on me because I'm not going to fall in love with it. I'm not just going to use it for me and mine. I got what he was saying. He's going to give it for, so I could be a blessing to other people. That's why this prosperity that I've been talking about and I've been saying, it's so you could be a blessing to people. It's not just for you to consume and just have it for your own benefit, your own family's benefit. It is to be a blessing to other people. And God wants you to have it. If you have made the decision, especially if you've made the decision, 
that you're going to allow yourself to be an instrument of God. You're going to allow him to enable you to do good to people. He will pour it on you if you're willing to stand and take the steps that he wants you to take. I'm going to continue. Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that is justified. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Do you realize that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you? And you know his prayers heard. Yours is heard too, if you pray in his name as well. But how much more should we be expecting blessings and uh, things to move in our, in our favor when we understand that Jesus himself is praying and interceding for us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You know, this is a part of what I was saying about the suffering that sometimes God allows us to go through. And it'll look like, hey, we missed God. You know, usually when people see issues happen in your life, oh, what kind of sin did you do? That's not it. As a matter of fact, the likelihood is that you're moving toward purpose because you're a threat to the enemy. See, if he, if the enemy's not messing with you, then you're not a threat, okay? If tribulation is not coming at you, if, if persecution is not coming at you, it, then you, you're probably not moving in the purpose that God wants you to because the enemy's going to rile people up to come against you and to persecute you if you're doing the will of God, okay? But it's saying here that nothing can separate us from his love. I'm going to continue to read at verse uh, 30. I'm going to read 35 again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or perilous ward, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Then it says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors through him that loves us. In other words, if all this stuff is coming against me, makes it look like I'm going down in defeat. Not so. Jesus has already conquered for us. He's already won the victory for us. We're not going down. That's just the appearance. We have to endure and know that the Lord will cause us to triumph no matter what's coming against us. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you hear that? It's saying that nothing can separate us from his love. Now, here it says death can't even separate us. Now, the sad part is this. Many have been preaching that sin can separate you from God. Well, death is greater than sin. So if it's telling me that if I'm in Christ, that death can't even separate me from him again, how in the world is sin going to separate me? Not so. Not so. We have been liberated to serve people. We have been liberated to be able to allow God to flow through us in a way that people can see God in our lives and in the way that we live our life. That's what we have been put on the earth to do. This eighth chapter of Romans, there are going to be people that are going to live in the light of this chapter. 
and understand that no matter what comes against them, they're not going to be defeated, to know that they've been called, they've been justified, and God is going to glorify them to their purpose, to what he sent them to, on the earth to do. And I believe the key to them walking is taking this chapter eight and other scriptures in the Bible, especially what's being said here in this uh, eight chapter of Romans and understanding that we can't be defeated to understand that our mind needs to be renewed to the spirit that's on the inside of us. The same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is on the inside of us. How in the world can we accept defeat? Now, this is a process of standing and standing and standing and believing what God has said about who you are, believing what God has said about what you can do and standing your ground until God brings into manifestation that which you're waiting on, that which you have need of, that which will enable him to be glorified in you. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans. And God will begin to show you his purpose for your life. And he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay. We'll see you on the next episode.